Hello, it's Marilyn Harris here of Hard at Work, and I'm doing a podcast series about how to create an impactful legacy for your business. Whether you're a nonprofit or whether you're a government, we could all use some help, right? So we want to be impactful, in other words, leaving a really great legacy. So um, that's why I'm doing this podcast series. And with me, I have Kimberly Whiffling, and uh, she is going to be talking about some of the things, awesome things she does in about workplace and project management. Exciting! Exciting! <laughs> <laughs> so here I'm going to ask Kimberly, okay. a simple question I ask everybody is how did you get started in doing what you're doing? Yeah, it couldn't have been a stranger story. <laughs> I was uh, educated as a physicist. I have a master's degree in physics and a bachelor's in chemistry and physics. I was going to be a scientist. Then I started working at Hewlett Packard in engineering and other kinds of mm -hmm. engineering related job project management. And all of the problems that we had were human skills, which I had none. <laughs> we don't study human skills in physics. It was what we call the touchy feely crap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to learn all this. Yes, yes. Uh, kindness, happiness, what? <laughs> so I had to learn all of that the hard way. And my one. <laughs> manager every time I would ask to take such a class he would say are you going to get a PhD in this pretty soon <laughs> so after I left HP I went into three different startup companies again finding that it was all human beings so when I started my consulting I started focusing on project leadership team effectiveness global leadership and organizational cultures through a winding path even even in my own consulting but now I'm firmly focused on transforming organizational cultures from the sick, twisted, dysfunctional work environments which disengage many employees and cost billions of dollars in lost potential revenue and profit to something that's life-affirming and that makes a positive difference, right? A purpose beyond profit, a mission that matters, that can solve the problems of planet Earth profitably right. and thus sustainably. Absolutely. I like that. I love it, actually. Yeah. That's so cool. Because, you know, what you do is just one more person that's really making a big difference in so many lives. You are. Sometimes I wonder. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a tiny blob of protoplasm clinging to a rock, flying through outer space around a big fiery ball called the sun. And while I'm here, I hope I do make a positive impact in some way. Well, just in the mere fact that you went from a physicist, like when I read your bio, and a physicist, I don't know her as like that. So this wild, crazy woman—that's who I know. So you know, in that kind of way, you've probably made a great difference to the science community and the physicists that you used to work with, because now they see you and they say, "Well, gee, if she can do it, I can do it." Oh, that's an interesting perspective I hadn't thought about. Because physics has been pretty uh, low in women's representation, mm -hmm. maybe 2% women for the last 40 years, yeah. and not much growth, not like engineering. Uh, so yeah, maybe physicists of the world will realize that human skills matter too, because a lot of research yeah. uh, requires multiple people and big teams. Look at the Stanford Linear Accelerator. You don't get one person making the big breakthroughs anymore. It really requires the group genius. Right. Everybody's ideas coming together to create that one product or one service. And how did they get there? They had to work with each other. Yes. Right? 
and they had to find a way to communicate to each other to create that whatever it was. Right. <laughs> and if you, anybody who's tried to communicate with their spouse or partner <laughs> knows that talking one human to another, even from the same culture, even who speaks yeah. the same language, is like a rhinoceros communicating with a giraffe. <laughs> so uh, what do you think some of the other obstacles and challenges you find when you go in and do your consulting or workshop? Oh, I wish they were highly unique and challenging in every situation. Unfortunately, what I found resonates with the research done by some of the guys at MIT, mm -hmm. Sloan Business Management, where they found that the top causes of failure in global teams, wait for it, it's not technology. <laughs> the top cause, number one cause all over the world is failure to build trusting relationships. Don't you have mm -hmm. something to say about that? I, I would think you would have a comment about that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like it's all about relationships. Yeah. It's all about kindness because what I've learned through my own experiences in business and in my own self-awareness is that kindness is really about ourselves. So if we're not kind to ourselves, we can't share it because we're not there yet. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? You can't spread mm -hmm. it if you don't have it. Yeah, and if you want to build trust with people, one of the things that builds trust is that they can count on you to behave in a consistent way mm -hmm. that is in their self-interest even when they're not with you watching you. So that building relationships and building trust, I think mm -hmm. kindness is a part of that. Of course, that doesn't mean being nice or avoiding the difficult right. conversations right. because it's not kind to uh, ignore something that needs feedback. Right. For example, if I have a big piece of lettuce hanging from my front tooth and I don't know it and I'm going around laughing and talking <laughs> and nobody tells me the feedback by the way you have a big piece of lettuce on your tooth that's not kind yeah it would be kinder to say Kimberly let me just tell you that something that you're doing you probably would want to consider changing yeah and that's the same thing for my behavior if right. I'm not being effective in my work or my team someone should take me aside and say I know you really care about the goals of this team so I'm just going to wonder if I could offer you a different perspective that you could consider how to reach those goals more quickly, easily, with fewer nasty surprises. Right, right. I totally agree with you, Kimberly. You're, you're, just, you're just like, somebody just like, I really want to be like her. I, just, I really want to learn more from her. I want to be like me when I grow up, too, <laughs> because I have bad days, too. I have bad days. We all have bad days. Uh, but but the, the other reason that teams fail, just to go through them quickly, yeah. is uh, aside from failure to build trusting relationships, then they don't have communication that works, mm -hmm. particularly around problem-solving and decision-making processes that work. And those there are well-known methodologies for those for years. Then they don't have clear goals mm -hmm. or aligned priorities. Now, when you think about this, it's kind of funny. Uh, no trusting relationships. Communication sucks, goals aren't clear, priorities aren't aligned. Whose job is that to make sure team has that? It's team leader. This is completely a failure of leadership. Right. And so what I do all over the world is help people understand management isn't the same as leadership. Yeah. And a group of people isn't the same as a real team. And if you want to have a real team, you better lead from any chair without title or position to make sure your team fails for new and more exciting reasons. Mm -hmm.
Yeah, this, um, I used to, I don't know if I can say this, but I used to always say when I was working with uh, companies is that, you know, the fish rot from head down. Oh, I said that, the fish <laughs> rot from the head. So oh. if, if something isn't <laughs> happening in your organization, the only other person you can look at is yourself. Well, I, a lot of people don't feel that way. When I work with individual contributors, sometimes they will complain. Hey, Kimberly, yeah, but you should be teaching our managers. Right. And when I got the managers in the workshop, they say, Kimberly, it's the executives who are the problem. And when I talk to the executives, they yeah. take me aside and say, it's the CEO. And the CEO blames the chairman, and the yeah. chairman blames the competition or something else or their own people. So really, everybody just stop for a moment, breathe into a bag, and consider the possibility that we have created the sick, twisted, dysfunctional workplaces that we're complaining about. And right. that means we can actually right. effect change in them. Yeah. And it can start at the very bottom with the employees first and then work way up. But most often, and I have seen, is always the top down has to. It's easier. Yeah, yeah, of course. Hey, I love it when I get an executive at the highest level saying, Kimberly, I want to sponsor and support meaningful transformation and change in our company mm -hmm. that increases our business results and makes everybody more engaged so that they're more productive and happier even. That's a bonus. And so here's what I ask them. I say, okay, so I'm going to go and do this work. And if I find out that somehow you have something to do with the problems that we're experiencing here, how do you want me to tell you? And some of the executives <laughs> will say, yeah, I probably am unknowingly causing some of these problems. <laughs> but some of the executives I've said this to say, are you suggesting that I may be somehow causing this dysfunctionality? And in which case I tell them, uh, I'm going to refer you to someone else. You're not going to like working with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I don't my want God. feedback. <laughs> well, even Jim Collins said the best leaders, when something great happens, they look at their people and say, my people did it. When something bad is happening, they look in the mirror and ask, how have I contributed to this? Right. And how can I change it? Right. Yeah, no, we all, either as an employee or as an ambassador of the company, we all are delivering a certain message. But if it's not congruent or the same, then it creates more conflict. Too. And, and I have a 10-minute exercise that I do with some of our leadership workshops. I put four people in a team and three levels of hierarchy. 10 minutes, and at the end of 10 minutes, everyone is upset, even if the team is successful. It doesn't take much because goals weren't clear and communication sucks. Right. And if you don't believe that it's really a problem, 10 minutes after this exercise, people say, oh, this is exactly <laughs> what's happening in our company. Right, right. I so love what you're saying, but I really want to talk more about you. So I know you're been written a lots of books and they're very successful and you're a great facilitator so can you share some of your books and all of your other stuff that you do yeah when I was working as a product development program manager I was curious why at the end of each project we have what's called a lessons learned but the lessons were always the same <laughs> so I wrote a book ah, scrappy project management uh, the 12 predictable and avoidable pitfalls every project basis and it's humorous and a little bit disrespectful to executives sorry <laughs> i just wanted to put something down here that would be fun to read and also meaningful and then fortunately i started working in japan and nikkei 
Nikkei Business Press translated that book into Japanese. I can't read it because I don't read Japanese, but my friends from Japan tell me that the English version is funnier. <laughs> and then we have a whole bunch of other books. Like uh, These are all scrappy guides, okay? Uh, other authors who have contributed their scrappy wisdom to the scrappy guide, and I hope you'll write Scrappy Guide to Kindness. Yeah, I will. Yeah, for sure. And recently I published this little workbook called Inspired Organizational Cultures because my uh, dear friend and mentor, Dr. Edgar Schein, who kindly has been mentoring me every month for the last year and a half or two years, he helped me understand that all my work is all about transforming organizational cultures. And those of you who don't know who Dr. Shine is, he's like 90-year-old father of organizational culture, and he's world famous. So technologists like me would not know who he is, but people who work in the organizational development space would certainly know that name. Awesome. I just love your energy. So tell Some us. people get tired of it. <laughs> I know. So what type of clients do you work with? Well, for the past 12 years, mostly I've been working with Japanese companies that are globalizing. So consider this. Uh, Japanese economy is flat. Population is shrinking. If you're a company in Japan and you want to grow your revenues, you can't grow inside of Japan. You have to grow outside of Japan. And then you don't have enough Japanese people to send all over the world to work outside of Japan. So you have to hire crazy foreigners like me. And learn to work with us. <laughs> Woohoo! Exciting! <laughs> so I've mostly been traveling to Japan or someplace else on behalf of Japanese companies every month for the last 10 or 12 years. One, two, three, four, five weeks in a row. Mm -hmm. Until finally, three or four years ago, I said, I'm going to be the richest person in the cemetery. <laughs> i got to spend some more time at home and not being away 80, 90% of time. So I brought in some of my wonderful colleagues to take away about half of my Japanese work, you know, companies, I'm working with companies like Suntory or Yamaha Motors or Daiichi Sankyo Pharma or Mazda. These are famous Japanese companies. Mm -hmm. And fortunately, I got a chance to work with them through my agent in Tokyo. But then after so many years, I decided I wanted to focus back more on the Silicon Valley where I can drive to work. <laughs> I want to drive to work once in a while. <laughs> so I'm still going all over the world for a few things. But uh, most of the time, over half the time, I'm in Silicon Valley now. Wow. Wow. So what do I do for them? Uh, mostly, yeah. I facilitate work shock therapy. That's what <laughs> I call it. It's a learning lab where we get people from 10 different countries in the same room, and we learn how to communicate together, build trusting relationships, leadership. It's proven to deliver superior results, 30 years of research from Barry Posner, Dr. Barry Posner and Jim Cousins at Santa Clara University published this in the Leadership Challenge. 30 years of research showing mm -hmm. that leadership is just actions. And if you do these actions more, people will think you're a better leader. So we help them become better leaders, better teams, and understand that that contributes to more engaged employees, which make more business success. And we also add in things like creativity, innovation, design thinking, a little bit of marketing, financial analysis that my colleagues facilitate, and then, of course, project management, how to get impossible things done. <laughs> impossible is just difficult. It just <laughs> means that you don't know how to do it yet. And less meetings, I would gather. 
Oh my gosh. Well, yeah, you I know, suppose. sometimes I like what Michelle Jackman said about meetings. Uh, we should have vegetarian meetings, meat less. <laughs> <laughs> but I honestly think that meetings are real work. Yeah. Unfortunately, most meetings are not facilitated effectively. Mm -hmm. So I like meetings that roar, uh, a reason, uh, outcomes that you're committed to, action items, owners, due dates, and some kind of rules of engagement so that people behave in ways that are productive and supportive. So if you, if you do your meetings right, meetings can be real work. And over half of the meetings, I believe, are a complete waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> but that's just me. <laughs> oh, so awesome. So Kimberly, how can they get a hold of you if they want to work with you? Oh, well, uh, you can call the police. They normally know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Mom, don't. <laughs> I don't want to upset my mother. But. So uh, Kimberly at weefling.com, W-I-E-F as in fun, L-I-N-G.com is my email. Or you can easily Google for me. I'm the only Kimberly Weefling on planet Earth, I think. And also uh, you can just search for my website. There's a contact form, social media. I'm on everything, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, WeChat, uh, WhatsApp. <laughs> yes, because I work with people from over 50 different countries, so I have to be very flexible. Right, right. So anyway, I want to say thank you, Kimberly, for joining me on this podcast. I think we had a lot of fun. Did you? I had fun. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I really wasn't sure what to expect, <laughs> and I'm honored that you included me. Oh, I want to absolutely. thank you for preparing me so well and making it so fun and enjoyable. Thank yeah. you. Well, that's the way it's meant to be, right? And that's the only message way it's going to be delivered. Right on. To be thank you. Thank so, you. anyway, I say thank you for joining us, and we'll be talking with you very soon. Okay, take care and be kind. <laughs> oh, cool. Oh. Was, it, was it what you wanted?